Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Happy New Year. You ever felt like uh, you were on a emotional roller coaster? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for admitting. Appreciate that. That's that was me uh, many times this past year. But one of which was uh, was this. Sarah and I were in the process of selling our home and buying a new one just down the street. And in the process of that, uh, one of the things that my credit check pulled up was something I didn't expect. See, we don't have any debt in our house except for a mortgage. But there was an inquiry on our credit report uh, from a place that I had never inquired about getting a loan. And so I did what they asked me to do, and I wrote them a statement saying that I didn't have that. That wasn't me. I don't know what that is. And I sent it back to them. I thought it was everything was good. Well, we get weeks go by, and we get closer to the, the closing day of our house and they come back and say, hey, uh, that statement wasn't sufficient. We need you to get in contact with the lender uh, of question and uh, ask them to give you a statement stating that you did not get a loan and send that to us. <sighs> Frustration. Confusion. The emotions start to go. Where I'm now on the roller coaster. So uh, I had uh, this premise that I had to go and here's the thing. I had to not just contact a lending institution. I had to contact a government agency in the middle of a pandemic. And ask them to send me a letter that I requested. <laughs> the emotions keep going. Frustration upon frustration upon no hope. So I start to call, I was, this was a Monday, I start calling uh, the uh, organization, the SBA, and try to talk to a human being. No luck. So I emailed someone who I thought was maybe had a, you know, the email had a human being on the other side, they would see the inbox, and they would call me back hopefully tomorrow. So Monday goes, I do that, Tuesday comes, I get a call. Amen, hallelujah, some relief. Um, tell them the situation, uh, give them my information, and she looks up my information, and then she told me some words that would increase my anger and frustration and confusion. Did you know emotions can come just by some words? Uh, yeah, so uh, someone used my information to uh, apply for a loan, acquire the loan, approve it, and receive the loan for $50,000. That's fun. Huh. Anger, frustration, confusion, rage maybe a little bit. And I'm like, well, hold on. That's not me. I don't even know what to do. And I'm starting to panic. I'm trying to ask more questions because I'm trying to get more information. And she doesn't believe that I am who I say I am. So she doesn't give me any information because uh, I could be the other person who's asking questions about, you know, me. Who knows? Everyone's got my, my information. So they're all trying to get some, you know, a piece of this. By the way, you don't want to be me. By the way, okay, if you're watching online, checking me out. You don't want to be me, just saying. <laughs> so uh, I proceed to file complaints with the Department of Justice, the Office of the Inspector General, 
And uh, I still haven't heard from them. Uh, and then I go on to my credit report and try and find where this loan would be on my credit report so that I can dispute it from the credit reporting agency side. Well, I go on there and I, I go through all the steps, which, by the way, there's many steps to try and get on all three and figure it out. And uh, I get on there and I don't see anything. Confusion enters in. That's like the corkscrew, right? And so now I'm like, well, is there a loan or is there not a loan? They said there was a loan. I believe there was a loan. I don't know if there's a loan, though. So let me call them back again. Call them back like three times. By the way, uh, I started then after the, after I tried three times, couldn't get a human being on the phone. Uh, I tried a little ninja tactic, and you can use this. This is free of charge. If you call some place that's trying to sell you something or loan you something, don't try and call the customer service. They might not answer. Hit the little button where it says, would you like to apply for a loan? Click that. There's going to be somebody on the other line. You know what I'm saying? So I got a hold of the person, and uh, he was gracious enough to, uh, I told him my situation, calm, cool demeanor uh, was on the outside, uh, frustration was on the inside, and I was trying to explain, hey, uh, here's the situation, this is what I was told earlier, I'm kind of confused, it's not showing up, I don't know what to do, what should I do, can you help me out at all? Uh, Give me some more information. And so he takes my information, and uh, he looks it up, and so he starts to go off. Yeah, I, I see that there was a loan applied for in your in your name uh, with your information. Uh, it was for $50,000. Yep, I, I see that. Uh, it was approved. Yep, that, that's great. Um, and then he said some words that would change my demeanor and change my emotional situation and morale uh, in, in a profound way. Again, just words can change your emotions. So my, my hands are sweating, my race, my heart is pounding, I'm trying to figure out what the heck to do because I'm starting to have some panic too because if I can't get this loan, then I'm going to sell my house, not have a house, and then what am I going to do with my four kids and my wife? What are we going to do? Right? So then he says, it was approved, it was, uh, it was, it was fulfilled, but before they issued it, before they sent the check, they caught it. And there's no loan. Relief. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. And then I went back into calm, cool demeanor. Very focused. I was like, okay. All right. Thank you. That's amazing. I don't even know how to express that. But I still have this problem of needing to get this in writing. Would you mind writing up a email saying exactly what you just told me verbally and send that to me so that I can make sure I get this house? And he did. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> Emotions. They are interesting things. Words can change them. Uh, you see, a picture can change them. Emotions are very interesting. So this, today, we're starting a new series called Emotions. Why? Because uh, for some reason, in the church, we don't tend to talk about it very much. And yet, emotions are those things that oftentimes, for a lot of us, they get in our way. They trip us up. They are things that hold us captive. Uh, They do not serve God's purposes, but sometimes they get in the way of God's purposes. Why? Because we don't know how to engage with them. Because some of us, we grew up in a home where you didn't, you weren't allowed to express your emotions. You had to stuff them and get, ignore them and you couldn't talk about them. So there you get into adulthood and you don't know what to do with them. Uh, and, and so you just kind of lash out or stuff and eventually it's like a, like a pressure cooker and it blows up, right? And so what I want to do is over the next four weeks, I want us to learn how to engage with our emotions. And again, notice the wording I just used. I didn't say to control our emotions. Good luck with that. 
We're going to learn how to engage our emotions and bring them to the throne room of God. Lay them at God's feet and ask him to help us with them. Okay? So before we get started, though, I need to lay some things on the table. Because there are some things about emotions that you may believe that may be a lie. Okay? So here's two common uh, lies that we may believe about emotions. Number one, what you feel is the most important thing about you. What you feel is the most important thing about you. That's very common uh, in our culture today. Uh, it says that what you feel is the chief direction, guidance for your life. If you feel like that's what you need to do, go for it. If it feels good, do it. Whatever you feel is the most important thing. And by the way, you need to make sure you know what you feel. Otherwise, something's wrong with you. Or if you don't know what you feel, then something there's a disconnect. Uh, emotions are the chief end, the chief direction, the chief identifier of your value. And that is... A lie. So for some of us who are highly emotion-driven, uh, this series is for you. For those of us who may be on the other end of the spectrum, you see uh, emotions as a, as a hindrance, this series is for you. Anybody in between, this series is for you. Because the second lie that many of us tend to believe about emotions is that you should ignore them or don't trust them at all. And this is like the rise in stoicism and mindfulness in our culture right now, where it says you need to de like a dis uh, disengage from your emotions, disattach, uh, detach from them. Because if you engage with them, that's telling that you're you're not going the right way. You need to be able to go through life unemotional about what you're going through, and then thereby you will thrive in a better way. Both ends of the spectrum, both wrong. So what I want to do is give us a third option. How to engage our emotions in a healthy way that would bring us closer to God, not further away from Him. Because here's the thing. Uh, for us who are followers of Jesus, you believe that God's revealed word is true. What God's word says is that when God was creating the whole universe, he said it was good. When he got to human beings, he said it was very good. Why? Because we were made in his image. And all throughout scripture, what you see is our God has emotion. He expresses emotion. He experiences joy and sorrow and sadness and satisfaction and love. And by the way, love is not just an emotion, but it definitely is one. See, God expresses emotions all throughout scripture. He gets angry. He gets happy. He is an emotional God. And we are made in his image. So therefore, because we are made in his image and he expresses emotion, our emotions are not bad. Can you, you got that? Our emotions are not bad things to be avoided or to be suppressed. Our emotions are things that tell us something about what we're experiencing and tell us something about what God would want for us. Now, the, the trick is where we're engaging with them. A lot of us, we don't know what to do with them. And that's what I want us to work through in this series. Jesus, in, in the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they show uh, at least 39 emotions that Jesus experienced when he was on the earth doing his ministry. At least 39. And what we're going to look at today is one of Jesus' emotions that he had toward another person. And that's going to help us answer this question that many of us have probably asked. Maybe this week, maybe this morning. 
Where is God when I hurt? Where is God when I'm hurting? Where is he? Where is God when we experience hardship? Where is God? And so if you have a Bible, uh, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke 7, verse 11. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you uh, do not, then you can watch on the screen. This is what Luke records. Afterwards, he, Jesus, was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. So Jesus is going to a town. He's got a bunch of peeps with him. A bunch of people following him. This was very common. Just as he neared the gate of the town, because towns had gates and fences and they they had walls to to keep uh, intruders out. And, And so they're approaching the entrance of this town. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son. And she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. So I want to stop there. I don't want us to gloss over the scene here. I want us to slow down and see it. So Jesus is approaching this town. He's got a bunch of people with him. They've, they've been seeing him do some amazing miracles. And as he's approaching this town, going to do some ministry, this woman and her funeral procession uh, for her son comes approaching them. And so this woman is, is a first century Jewish woman who uh, has lost her husband in her life. So she's experienced the deep pain of grief to lose someone that close. And now she's laying her son to rest after he died, her only son. And obviously she's dealing with a lot of grief, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, because all of us, especially those of us who are parents, that is something we never want to be in her shoes. We feel for her, but we don't want to be her. Why? Because that's some of the most deepest fears that any of us who are parents have, is that we would have to lay our child to rest before we laid to rest. It's something we none of us would ever want to be. And yet that is what she's dealing with. It, it, it would, I'm sure, result in some questions. God, why? Why? And so uh, the, the scene is that this man is being carried. Their caskets, they didn't have ones like we have where it's got a bunch of sides and a covering. It would just, he would have just been laying on a board that they're carrying out to, to be buried. And this would have happened very shortly after he died because they didn't do embalming and all that, so they didn't have a lot of time to plan it. They just would go after and do it because they needed to. And so obviously for this woman, the last few days have been a whirlwind. And and the interesting thing about this and the very unfortunate thing is she's in the first century in a Jewish context in a Roman world where as a woman, during her time, the prospect of being able to support herself in that time, was very minuscule. And so now she no longer has a husband to provide for her. She no longer has a son to provide for her. And now she's, I'm sure, dealing with the prospect of a future of possibly begging just to get by. And so you can imagine the, the, the deep pain that she's dealing with, the deep fears that she's probably dealing with, fears of the future. She's hurting deeply. Have you ever hurt deeply? Like some of you, 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 you probably, you have laid a spouse to rest. Some of you, unfortunately, may have had to bury a child. So you understand the depth of the grief that she's feeling right now. The pain. 
the questions, the worries about the future. What is this going to hold? God, where are you? Maybe if you don't resonate with those specific instances, you've at least dealt with some grief in your life. You've dealt with the, 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 the sinking feeling of sadness. You've been overwhelmed with despair before. You've been racked with anxiety. Some of you, you've wrestled with depression. You've had moments of sadness and moments of joy. Some of you, you've, you've, you've dealt with the roller coaster of emotions and it seems like it never ends and you're still on it. And no matter how many times you, it just keeps going. And so this woman is hurting now. I know that many of us, we've hurt to that degree for us. And so what is Jesus going to do? Let's look. Luke chapter 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, did you see that word, church? When the Lord, what is the word? When the Lord saw her, he saw her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, don't weep. See, he said, don't weep. Not because it was wrong for her to cry, but because of those Tears that are coming out of her tear duct of mourning, of grief, they were about to be transformed into tears of happy tears. Because he's about to do something. Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin and the pallbearer stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone. All came over everyone. And they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. Your translation may God, say God has helped his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. So Jesus sees this woman. He notices her. He sees what she's wrestling with. And by the way, I know that for all of us, uh, we can see each other. We can see each other and what we're going through, right? Like you see a person. I know the mask thing makes it harder to see someone's emotion, but let's just say uh, in a room like this, you can put on a smile and convince everyone else that you're fine even though you're dying inside, right? You see, even though we see, we don't always see. Jesus always sees. He saw her in the midst of her pain. He sees you in the midst of your pain. And that word that says, uh, that's translated, uh, Jesus had compassion on her, is, is like one of the most fun Greek words to say. It's, uh, it's the Greek word splagna. Splagna. That's how you have to say it. You have to say it with the gut. You, anyone want to say it with me? All right, let's do this. One, two, three. Splagna. Yeah. Those of you at home, make sure you do that. Splagna. It feels good. You have to use your whole body to say it. But basically what that means is this is a deep, gut-wrenching compassion that he has for her. It comes from deep with inside of him. It is a deeper level of of pity, a deeper level of sympathy, a deeper level of compassion that's driven to help. And Jesus sees her, notices her, and because he had splagna for her, he moves. He does something. Some of us need some splagna in our life. Not spaghetti, 
That's good too, but some splagna. And some of us need to be reminded that Jesus has splagna for us. It's a gut-wrenching emotion. Maybe this would help. Who has seen Lion King? The Lion King. Perfect. This works way better than first service did. Okay. <laughs> like three people. I'm like, what? <laughs> Movie time. Just kidding. So you know the scene that I'm about to talk about. Mufasa is trying to save Simba because of a stampede. Right? He saves Simba, gets him on a little tree. And then Mufasa's climbing the cliff. Some of you are getting that gut-wrenching feeling already. And he's climbing and then Scar, stinking Scar, comes up. Brother, I help you. And he reaches out for him. And instead of helping him, he clinches him with his, with his nails and his, and his fangs or whatever those are called for a lion. Whatever, you know what I'm saying. And instead of helping him up, he throws him off the cliff. And Mufasa dies. It's that gut-wrenching emotion that all of us felt when we saw that. We're like, no, Scar, that's not okay. It's not okay. Now Simba's going to have to grow up without a father. It's that gut-wrenching emotion. Like, like for some of us, I don't know about you, but anytime there's a movie or a show that shows a child suffering, I get some swagna on there that's mixed with some anger. Like, don't show that to me. That's not okay. Why? Because there's emotions that drive us to remind us that the things that we experience in this world are not as they ought to be. Jesus is looking at this woman and he's reminded that he made human beings very good. This was not supposed to happen. They were never supposed to experience death. They were supposed to enjoy God's presence all day, every day for the rest of eternity. Death was not a part of the plan. But he knew because when sin came in, death came in. And now this woman's suffering because of that. And so he sees his creation suffering and hurting. And Jesus enters in. With splagna. And he changes her reality. He changes it. You see, emotions do at least four things. It's important for us to understand them. Uh, this comes from a book called Untangled Emotions, which I'll refer to over the, le- over the next few weeks. Because uh, it's really good stuff. But in, in this book, they say that emotions do at least four things. Number one, emotions communicate value. Emotions communicate value. In other words, like you won't really get emotional about something unless it's something you care about. Right? If you're getting, if you're finding yourself getting emotional about something, uh, in, in a positive way or a negative way, that's telling you what you care about, what you value in life. You don't get emotional about things that you don't care about, right? And so emotions communicate value. That's number one. Sometimes we find that the things we're emotional about, the things that we value because of that, uh, are not good things. A lot of times we see that, okay, that, that, that's reasonable. That's something I should value. But sometimes we see that that's a value that's not exactly godly. Number two, emotional, uh, emotions help us to connect with others. Emotions help us to connect with others. Think about this. Uh, think about the time, maybe you have some friends in your life where at the time, go back to the time where you guys weren't super close, uh, but you are now, maybe there was maybe a time where you got, kind of got through a barrier in that because it was a, a period, maybe for you or for them, of deep emotion. Like you were going through something or they were going through something and they were expressing that. Here's the thing, when we experience, when, when someone experiences emotions about something, It would be truly cruel for us 
to not share with them in the emotional experience. This is sometimes what happens in, in a marriage. Sometimes, and I'm just using this stereotypically, okay? Stereotypically, this is the scenario. The wife says, uh, he's not, he doesn't love me, he doesn't, he doesn't show that, he doesn't seem to care. And, and, the, and the guy's like, well, hold on, I, I love you, I care for you, I provide for you, I do this, I go to work, I do this, I do these things around the house, I try to do, 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 do these things. And what she's really saying is that in the midst of their relationship, that he's not engaging emotionally with her. That there are some things that she's struggling with, and because he's unemotional about it, it communicates that he doesn't care. He doesn't value her. Right? And so, it, even though there might be love, but guys, I know that we're talking about emotions and this mushy-gushy stuff, but you, you have emotions. Whether you show them or not, this is very helpful stuff. What we need when we're experiencing emotions is to connect with someone over them, right? And in this moment, Jesus is connecting with her on an emotional level. Number, number three, emotions motivate us. That may not be something that you like. You're like, oh, if I were doing this, I'd do it a different way. Because, right, emotions motivate us. It's like one day you wake up out of bed and you're like, I'm ready for the day. Let's do this. Punch this day in the mouth. In the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> Metaphorically, right? Uh, and then other days you wake up and you're like, Ugh, I just don't, I don't want to do, I know, I can't, I can't adult today. I just can't do it. Nope, I can't do this. I don't want to. Right? Why? Why? Why is that? Well, it's just emotions. It's emotions. And, and by the way, emotions don't always file in single file line. It's not always that you experience this, so you, you say, oh, I experienced this emotion because of that thing. A lot of times, all the stew, like our emotional stew, is a combination of all kinds of things. Because of a combination of a thousand things over here, we're feeling a thousand things over here. And what we try to articulate it. Have you ever had someone say, hey, how are you doing really? How are you doing really? Like, how are you really doing? And you're like, I don't know. Like, bad? I think? Good? I don't know. Right? If you were being honest, you try to articulate that, it's hard to identify them, right? So emotions motivate us, and so sometimes you have moments of inspiration, sometimes you don't. Anybody who's ever been depressed knows that that's a very hard place to have some motivation in that state of mind. So emotions motivate us. Number four, emotions turn us toward God. But maybe the better way of saying it is emotions turn us toward the thing we worship. And so, little scenario. You're experiencing some, uh, some negative emotions because of what someone said about you, okay? And in order to make you feel better, you turn toward people's validation. The other people who are fans of you, you turn to them for affirmation, and thereby you feel better. You just turn to people. Why? Because it could be that you worship at the throne of someone's opinion rather than at the throne of God. Or it could be that you uh, experience some kind of failure in life, and because you're working through that, you turn to try and control as many things as possible in order to, for you to feel better. Why? Because you worship at the throne of control rather than the throne of God. It could be that when you are facing difficulty uh, in something, you're feeling uh, like you're being attacked, you turn to self-preservation. Why? Because you worship at the throne of self. 
We all do this. But emotions can tell us a lot about what's really going on under the surface. So emotions do four things. So what do you think, let's, let's consider this, what do Jesus' emotions toward this woman tell us about Jesus? Well, let's go back. Number one, Jesus valued this woman. Why? Because he had splagna for her. If he didn't value her, then no splagna. Not on the menu. Number two, Jesus connected with this woman in the midst of her hurt. Jesus' compassion, splagna for her, met her in her grief. Don't miss this. If Jesus was like, oh, you know, whatever, like buck up, buttercup, it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. It's all good. You know, be in heaven and stuff. It's fine. That That would not have been a good connecting moment. But instead, Jesus connects with her. Number three, Jesus was motivated to help her. We see that. Because he had splagna for her. And number four, Jesus shows us the heart of the Father who has compassion on those who are hurting and has the power to do something about it. Jesus, in his triune uh, power, he heals this man. And shows her that greater is he than what you're dealing with. He's got more power. And so it comes back to the question that we started with. Where is God when you hurt? Where is he? Where is God when you hurt? He's right next to you, hurting with you. See, some of us believe that, that God is on his throne in heaven, which he is, but he's looking down at us, and he's like, you know what? Would you just put a, put a band-aid on it? Rub some dirt on it. Come on. You're fine. There's a plenty of people out there who are suffering worse than you. So therefore, don't feel what you're feeling. Oh, and by the way, if you feel bad, uh, you should add some shame into that because that'll make the stew better. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you feeling that way? Don't you know that I've already handled all this? That's not how God is. God came down and he entered in to this world so that he could show us that his love for us is a love that enters our mess, hurts when we hurt, mourns when we mourn, and produces tears when we cry. Because guess what? The the shortest verse in scripture is Jesus wept. Jesus cried too. It's not wrong to do that. Where is God when you hurt? He's right there next to you, hurting with you. He is the one who came down to take on all of our stuff. Y'all, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was betrayed and taken and then later crucified, he was sweating blood. He was dealing with the emotion of anguish and fear. Why? Because he knew what was going to come. Sweating blood, literally perspirating with blood and he's asking God, God, would you please, please take this cup away from me? But not my will, but yours will, your will be done. We always gloss over that your will be done. But he was in anguish. Why? Because he knew what was going to happen. He knew the pain, the deep emotion that he was feeling. And so he goes on and, and he's placed on a cross and he places himself on that cross. Guess what? It wasn't the Roman soldiers who were nailing him there. He was doing it. 
Because he could have totally uh, squashed it if he wanted to. But on the cross while he's suffering, and by the way, he's suffering all the hurts, all the pains, all the sorrows that you've ever experienced, he was experiencing all of yours, all of mine, all of the people who have ever lived on this earth, all their hurts, all their pain. Because why? Because it all comes from sin. He was experiencing that on himself on the cross. And in the midst of that, he says, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Echoing the same thing that oftentimes we say when we're suffering. God, why are you doing this? Why? And in that pain, he died for each one of us. God is not one who does not suffer. His love drove him to the cross to suffer exactly what you've suffered and more, infinitely more. And he's the one who has made a way for us to experience life with him. And he doesn't call us to follow him and say, hey, guess what? You follow me. It's going to be totally bliss for this life. Amen? We wish it were that way. He's like, no, you're not going to be exempt from suffering. Why? Because your king wasn't either. And that I'm going to call you to do something that goes beyond self-preservation, that goes beyond uh, just having a hunky-dory life. I'm going to call you to mission. I'm going to call you to have splogna for other people too. And Jesus entered our hurt, entered our pain, and he took it on himself. So that one day we're going to be able to experience a life where there's no more, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more grief. Why? Because all of those things that caused those things would be gone away. He's going to make all things new. And so Jesus enters in our situation and he shares in our emotions. God is the one who shares with us in our emotions. When we hurt, he hurts. And so sharing emotions, what if we engaged our emotions in a way that we would bring them to our king, bring them to our father who loves us so dearly, and allow him to engage with us and connect with us over those emotions? See, Jesus sees you, he has compassion on you, and by the way, he crosses the line to get you. Uh, one of the things that you need to understand about the first century context when Jesus did this, he was a rabbi, right? So there's a funeral procession, they're carrying the body. Uh, Jesus had splogna on this woman, and so he went up to this dead body and he touched that body. That was a no-no in their time. That would make Jesus ceremonially unclean. For a rabbi to do that, nope, can't do it. That is a cultural no-no. Don't do that. And yet Jesus crossed the cultural line to go and heal this man so that not only would he be healed of the death that he died, but also his mom would be healed from her grief and meet her in the midst of her emotions. And so Jesus crosses the line. What line do you think he's not willing to cross for you? We've all got our lines. This is, this is the thing that would be reasonable for God to do. This is the thing that we would expect him to do. I, I know I'm going through some stuff, but it's not that big of a deal. When I think about all the suffering in the world, it's not that big of a deal. And we stuff those emotions. Like, you know what? No. I just got to keep moving. Got to keep moving forward. All the while, God's inviting us to engage with him on an emotional level. Why? Because he's created us holistically. He's created us in, in, in a way to be emotional beings. Who Our physiology changes when we get emotional. Our physiology can change our emotions. And all of that is created in a way for us to connect with God. Friends, Jesus has compassion on you. 
He has splagna for you. And I know this to be true for you just as much as I know it to be true for me. Because it was in the midst of the deepest, darkest depression that I've ever experienced in my life. That in the midst of that, when I'm, I had no idea where I was going, who I was, who God was, what I was supposed to do with my life, how to even cope with what I was feeling. I had no tools. I didn't know what to engage with my emotions. I didn't even know who God was. I had no idea what to do. All the people that I thought were to love me the most, they didn't. They showed that. And in the midst of that, God met me. He, he saw me. Jesus saw me just like he sees you right now in your hurt. It doesn't matter how many facades, barriers you put up to make you feel like everyone thinks that you're doing okay or to make yourself convince yourself that you're doing okay when you're really not. It doesn't matter. Jesus saw you, saw me in the midst of that, and he crossed over the line because I was the guy who no one would say, oh, sure, Jesus follower, That's it's in his future. No, no. And yet in the midst of me being wrecked with my emotions, and I didn't know how to handle them. I found a Jesus who met me, who pursued me. He saw me. He crossed over the line. He invited me into his presence. He invited me to be a part of the family again. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, you shouldn't feel that way. He said, I know you're hurting I'm hurting too. And yet, I know what you need. And that is a Heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you, will have a love for you that will not fade away, will not go away. But I have what you need, Brandon. Come be with me. And that day, Jesus touched me in a way that I could never describe to anyone else. Jesus wants to connect with us through our hurts. So where is God when you hurt? Friends, I know from experience, and I know many of you do too, that where is he when, he's, when you're hurting? He's right there next to you, hurting with you. There's nothing that you feel that he cannot work through to bring you closer to him. Jesus has compassion on you. And he had compassion on me. And the cool thing is he's pursuing us. And so uh, for, for those of us who may be in this room or online who you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you know someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe they believe that their emotions are something to be avoided or something to be embellished on. Maybe they believe that God just looks upon, looks down from his throne in heaven and says, hey, just rub some dirt on it, put a Band-Aid on it. It's fine, you'll be okay. Just stuff it, move on, put it under the rug. Let's just go move on with our lives. Stay busy, you won't have to think about it, you won't have to reflect, just keep going. Maybe there's somebody in your life who's like that. Maybe you are like that. Let me encourage you. The first step to being able to engage our emotions in a healthy way is to surrender to the king who took on all our emotions, all of our hurts, all of our pain on himself, paid for it on the cross so that we can have abundant life in him, so that the Holy Spirit would be inside of us helping us to engage our emotions in a healthy way. Don't you want a better situation for you? Like, don't you want to be able to engage with your emotions in a, in a more healthy way? Don't you want to, like, be able to stop that anger from resulting in you hurting something or someone or yourself? Don't you want that anxiety to, to be able to be met with the grace of God? 
that sadness to be turned to joy, not because you're ignoring the sadness, but because you're finding the grace of God in the midst of it. That's what we're going to look at over the course of the next few weeks. We're going to look at what does it look like to engage our emotions in a healthy way. And I hope and pray that you'll join us either here or online. And I just believe that God would want us to have these tools so that we could thrive with him. If you're someone who needs to surrender to Jesus, I would love to talk to you. Uh, if, if you know someone who's there, then have a conversation with them. They need this. God loves us, even though oftentimes we're on an emotional roller coaster. He'll get on with us, he'll ride it with us, and he'll teach us a better way to go in the future. Church, would you stand? We're going to sing and pray to our awesome God. Father, we, uh, we thank you for loving us in a way that only you can. Father, please meet us right here and now. A lot of us, we've dealt with some hurts. We've dealt with some pain. We've dealt with some hardships and difficulties. We've, we've, we know what it's like to go through the roller coaster of emotions that we oftentimes experience. And sometimes, God, we don't know what to do with them. Sometimes they feel out of control. Sometimes they feel like they're just going about their own way and we have no idea. We're just along for the ride. God, I pray that you would give us the tools. That you would give us the, the, the eyes to see that you see us and that you have made a way for us to follow you in the midst of that, to engage with you in the midst of that, and to engage those emotions in a healthy way. God, I pray that you would remind us each and every day that we are hurting, that you are with us. Each and every day that we are feeling great, that you are with us. God, you said that there's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance, there's a time to weep. God, help us to remember that, that our emotions aren't something to be avoided. But at the same time, they're not the chief identifier of our identity. Help us to see what you want us to see, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and we're so grateful that you are our King and our Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.